Hello, everyone, and welcome to the First Love Podcast. Yay, Jesus. Isn't it amazing, His love and the Father's love, how it can change a life? Boy, I hope you just go back and replay even that testimony piece at the end of last time. So extraordinary, just how so cool that she had not been for 16 years able to fully receive her Father's love because she didn't believe she was lovable. And now because of the Lord's love for her, she could receive His and love Him excellently. Just so cool. Oh, Lord, and again, thank you that you satisfy the thirst of our souls. And it can be satisfied as often as we want if we just go to the right source. Well, anyway, if you didn't listen to last week, that might not make a whole lot of sense. So go listen to it because it was pretty fun, pretty cool. This last one here is this kind of famous passage. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, it's in John chapter 8, and it's about the woman caught in adultery. And oftentimes it's a little confusing to people because they see it with brackets around it. Sometimes it's in their Bibles in italics. And then there's probably this little difficult footnote where it says, probably not original to John's gospel. So let me just put you at peace with that in case you've ever wondered that there is absolute confidence that it was an understood saying or an understood story about Jesus in wide circulation that people knew about and knew it well, but it actually hadn't been put in a specific gospel. And why they think it's not original to John himself is simply because it shows up in manuscripts in three other places in John's gospel, and it actually shows up in one manuscript of Luke. And the only way that's possible is if the passage was outside and then gets inserted, that scribes would never lift and just pick something up and put it in a different place or in an entirely different document. But there's absolute certainty, absolute confidence that the reason why it shows up in so many manuscripts, even though in different places, is because it was clearly a story that everybody knew about and everybody believed to be true of Jesus and that it really took place. And again, people felt compelled to want to include it somewhere. And so it got added in. So anyway, have confidence today that it's still truth. It's truth about Jesus. It's truth about what he did. So let's just take a moment to look at that. We're probably familiar with the story in uh, John chapter 8. It says, But when Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people were coming to him. And he sat down and began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. And having set her in the center of the court, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What then do you say? They were saying this, testing him, so that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. So remember, it said that he sat down and began to teach them. So he's sitting, but now he bends over, stoops down, and with his finger wrote on the ground. The point is, is he didn't answer them immediately. In fact, he diverts his attention away from them altogether and trains his focus on the ground. Well, they didn't like this. So verse 7 says, But when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them. So they are asking, Come on, we've asked you a question, we've asked you a question, what do you say? What do you say? What do you say? Well, finally, it says, he straightened up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And then again, he stooped down 
and wrote on the ground. Just imagine seeing this thing. They're looking right at him, asking for an answer, and he just kind of ignores them and stoops down and who no one has any idea what he's writing in the ground. I wonder, again, if it's just to show that he's focused on something. And who knows, maybe in that moment he's waiting on the Spirit to see how he ought to answer this. Because it's like the wisdom of Solomon. Remember when the two prostitutes are sleeping and they each have a kid, but the one rolls over and suffocates her baby and steals the other baby. Then Solomon says, okay, get a sword and cut the baby in half and give one half to one lady and one half to the other. And one lady goes, no, 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 please give the baby to her. Don't touch the baby. And he says, give the baby to that one because clearly she's the mom. And everybody went, holy cow, where'd that wisdom come from? You just wonder if this isn't one of those kind of moments where he just puts his head down and draws in the sand and says, Father, what's the right thing to say here? Can't know that for sure, but quite frankly, remember, he even said to the disciples, don't worry, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say when you're brought before leaders and courts and whatnot. So... And that he did everything, full of the Spirit, led by the Spirit. Anyway, that's just my two cents worth. The point is, is that he doesn't immediately answer him. And when he does, after he answers, he who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw the stone at her, he again stoops down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones. And he was left alone and the woman where she was in the center of the court. Again, I can't imagine the drama where Jesus again bends down and leaves them with that statement, and he leaves them with themselves. They have to look at themselves. And one by one, beginning with the oldest, they walk away. Well, finally, it says straightening back up. Now it's just her and Jesus. He says, woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go, from now on, sin no more. Here I am trying to share with you passages of Jesus' words of love. Well, this is very short. Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go, from now on, sin no more. I think the thing that the Lord impressed on my heart is there are many times when you and I are very aware of the wrong that we've done. And sometimes we think we've gotten away with it, and sometimes we get caught, whether we bring it into the light or someone else exposes us and brings us into the light. And there is a sense in which we know we're in trouble. And we have a consequence coming to us. And sometimes those consequences are very clear. No gray, it's very black and white. And in this case, the interesting about it, about this whole story is so much of what's missing. And of course, the first and most immediate thing that's missing is where's the man? Because when they refer back to the law, in the law, it explicitly says, both of them, the man and the woman, are supposed to be stoned. Also, is that because there had been witnesses, that it wasn't just done by hearsay or whatever, but somebody actually catches someone in the act, and so they can bear witness to that. And so we don't necessarily know whether or not the witnesses are actually there. 
But the fact that they only bring the woman, they bring this as a way to test, it seems most likely that this gal was probably a prostitute, someone who was, you know, engaging men in adultery in such a way that, that they just decide to go after her. Nobody really knows. But the bottom line is, is she's clearly in the wrong. She clearly knows she's deserving of death. No question about it. She's deserving of some certain consequence. I think for each of us today, I, I just want us to consider Jesus, even last week with the woman at the well who was presently sleeping with the man that wasn't her husband. Jesus was comfortable, comfortable with those who were still in sin, caught in sin. A lot of times when we're so full of shame and so full of guilt, we think that God doesn't even want us in his presence, that he would shy away, that he would turn away. And the first thing I want you to see in the love of Jesus is that he engaged both these gals. He's not embarrassed or full of judgment, full of condemnation. I think most of all in my heart today just reminded me again that the Lord knows. The Lord knows that we sin. The Lord knows that we do wrong. I mean, he walked and lived in a sinful world. In fact, I couldn't help but wondering, the, the commentaries didn't necessarily go there, but it sure goes there in my mind, that in Luke 7, remember, there's this story of this woman who comes, and Jesus is with one of the Pharisees, and she sneaks in, and she starts weeping and, and washes his feet with her tears and hair, and Jesus actually prophetically says to the Pharisee who was there, um, I can't remember, his name might have actually been Simon, but I don't remember, but in the moment, right, he says... If somebody owes 50 or somebody owes 5,000 and is forgiven, who's going to be more grateful? Because he knows, and he tells them, he knows that they are judging her. Remember, and finally, he, the, guy, the guy has to go, well, of course, the guy was forgiven 5,000. She goes, and he says, well, yeah, exactly. The one who's been forgiven much loves much. She recognized how much she was forgiven. And the thing is, is we don't know when that forgiveness took place because now she is lavishing love on Jesus. It makes me wonder if it's this gal or maybe there were others that he sat with prostitutes. But he didn't condemn them. He didn't judge them. He wasn't ready to say, okay, let's go around and let's start doing stone-throwing parties and to take out all these different sinners, and especially those who are in sexual sin. There was grace in that this lady came in, in gratitude and in wonder was lavishing love and kindness and grace and thankfulness on Jesus. Maybe it was this lady or someone just like her. The thing that I felt impressed at my heart to think about Jesus is that so many times there is this sense that we think that God, if we come into his presence in that condition, that he would be angry with us, that he's looking to punish us and make us pay somehow. And I think the bottom line is, is that there are moments when the Lord comes with great mercy and great kindness. And he would say, where are your accusers? A lot of times, the biggest accuser might be us, believing that we should be condemned. The thing that Jesus does, powerfully again like Solomon, is that by turning around and saying, let whichever one of you is without sin be the first to throw a stone, is that he said, sure, that she should be stoned. But instead of just saying it that way, he said, but you guys are the ones who are supposed to throw the stone. And what was also in the law was that the witnesses especially had to be the first ones to throw the stone. And if they were making this up, I believe it was that they would instead be stoned and they would be really in trouble of huge wrath and judgment is if they falsely accused somebody and got them killed by lying. 
And so in that sense, it's not that, that Jesus is saying, like, you mean none of you have ever sinned. It's more the fact that especially in this moment, do you think you guys are sinless, that you are guiltless? And especially, are you doing this for all the wrong reasons, for all the wrong motives? Did you help try to warn this lady and this guy? What kind of things did you do to help them first? Instead, you're doing this to try to trap me. And so he got them to have to judge themselves, to look at themselves. He didn't disagree that she shouldn't be stoned. She just said, well, you guys are the ones that do it, but you better be doing it without sin, without any wrong motive. So the point is he didn't disagree with the consequence. And yet in the moment then, he says, then neither do I. You know, it's almost like the story in Matthew 18 as well of the king who forgives the debt that servant who could never pay it back in a million years. And then, you know, the servant goes out and demands money from another person who owed him, and the king gets very angry because he showed such compassion, and that person didn't in turn show compassion. We know there are times when we know we are in sin. We are deliberately sinning against God and against others and causing harm and pain and We've been doing it in secret, and now it's out. And I guess most of all is that it's so important in our hearts to really recognize that I would legitimately deserve what's coming to me. And in the presence of God, though, he's not looking at you, just waiting to give you what you deserve. Instead, Jesus straightened up and looked at her, full of compassion, full of mercy, and says, then neither will I condemn you to death. But he says, go. And from now on, sin no more. You know, just that simple act, even though the word forgiveness is not there, clearly he is forgiving her. He is showing her mercy. And he is looking for change. And again, if it's the same gal or a gal like her that shows up in Luke 7, there is fruit of repentance in that lady in Luke 7. There is fruit of mercy, the fruit of grace, the fruit of compassion is this lavish, lavish, lavish love back on Jesus, back on God, and this desire to leave and stop doing what we were doing and to walk in the ways of the Lord. Well, I don't know who's listening today, but you may be aware that you are doing stuff that you know is wrong. I don't know if it's sexual sin. I don't know if it's cheating lying, stealing. I don't know what it may be today. Maybe it's little things. Here we are coming into tax season. Maybe you know that you are deliberately not being fully honest and fully truthful. I want to challenge whoever is listening today, all of us, to recognize that there are things that are clearly right and wrong, clearly things we ought not be doing, clearly things that in the presence of the Lord, there would be serious consequence for what we did if we get caught or if we put it into the light, but that we'd have the courage to do so, the courage to come into the presence of the Lord, knowing that he's not there ready to pounce on you. If anything, that he would look at you with, with eyes of sorrow and pain. Consider the, the Luke 15, the parable of the son. I mean, the son clearly had sinned. He says, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. He expects to be demoted, to become a hired hand. He doesn't believe he should even be a son. And yet the father runs to him, is filled with compassion and loves him. That's the heart of the father. That's what you're going to experience from God, is his mercy and his kindness and compassion. You may or may not escape the just penalty, but don't miss the fact that you are loved, that God is gracious and compassionate, but the fruit of that is that we would go and sin no more, that we would stop, 
And that as such, there would be this, this outflow of love for Jesus because we've recognized the kind of mercy and grace that's been granted to us. All I want you to hear today is that if you are in a place like that right now, you need to hear the Lord say to you, I do not condemn you either. Go from now on, sin no more. God is not going to pull down judgment. Now, you may have some consequences. I pray that God would give you the grace to recognize and humbly say, Lord, I would deserve whatever I got coming. But if you show me kindness and mercy, wow, that would be amazing. That the Lord has even delegated to local authorities and whatever, different stuff. I'm saying, folks, come out from hiding. Come out and be willing to put it into the light and especially in the presence of the Lord, where you're going to find the one who loves you and is gracious to you and compassionate to you. and You may or may not escape some of the consequences, but you'll know that you are loved. You will know that you are forgiven, but not without also the encouragement to go. But go and sin no more. Let's make the right changes. Let's do the right thing. Let's come out of hiding. Let's come into the light. Let's change your life. But just know that Jesus is there waiting to say, I don't condemn you either. So go, and from now on, sin no more. Lord, I ask you for grace today for our brothers or sisters that might be out there today that even now they're just aware that you're shining your light or someone else maybe has shined light on things that need to be corrected, things that need to be changed, things that actually would carry consequence. Lord, I pray first of all that you'd put a grace on the heart that says, yeah, I have done wrong and I'm willing to accept whatever's given to me. But Lord, I pray that they would come to you knowing that there is grace, that there is power, that there is courage to be given to them, that you will be with them and for them. Help them walk through that and there with forgiveness, but not without a desire to see them also change. Lord, I pray for grace upon those who are listening today that need to hear you say, I don't condemn you either. I'm here to forgive you and I will walk with you and I'll even help you sin no more. Lord, I pray for the courage for that. I pray for the grace for that. Because the bottom line is, Lord, and I just want to come out of the prayer moment right now is just to say, folks, you want to be like that woman in Luke 7. You want to be one who is so forgiven, so eager to love Jesus back so eager to lavish gratitude and thanksgiving. Come out and come into the light and know that you will find grace and the courage to do what's necessary to do. That's the love and kindness of the Lord. Let it compel you. And if you know some others that are struggling, pray for them today. Pray for them. So Lord, we give this to you and just say thank you in Jesus' name. So God bless you and have a great rest of the day.